Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Former Major League Baseball executive Dan Evans joins us. He's the chief operating officer for This Is Heaven LLC. Those are the folks overseeing the Field of Dreams game. Former GM of the Dodgers. He's also scout with the Jays. Looking forward to talking some, ba- some baseball with us. You mentioned this at the start of the show, the New York Post reporting on the ongoing, and I do mean ongoing, New York Mets general manager's search uh, reported today, or I guess more directly last night, that uh, the New York Mets had reached out to the Toronto Blue Jays for permission to speak to Mark Shapiro. Uh, Permission, according to the report, uh, was not granted, and uh, which would put the Blue Jays, would make them, I believe, the fifth or sixth team that has refused permission to let the, uh, for the Mets to talk to an executive. A couple of things. Uh, to be said, first of all, we've reached out to, uh, Mark and to ownership. We haven't, we've not heard, uh, not heard back from them. Um, but Mark does have a five-year contract with the Blue Jays signed, I believe in January. And this job, Mark is the chief baseball executive with the Blue Jays right now. The next step above Mark is the ownership board. If he were, unless Sandy Alderson, who's right now the, whatever the hell his title is, he's basically the top baseball operating officer for the Mets. Unless he decides to step aside, essentially this job would, from a distance, be a demotion for Mark Shapiro. So, and in the past, you know, there's generally an unwritten rule that a team will not stand in the way of an executive getting a promotion. That typically, that's changed a bit now. Um, you know, a lot of teams, we've talked about the Dodgers. I believe the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Brewers have so far denied permission for the Mets to speak to, uh, to, their, to their executives, or to some of their executives for the job. So it's not necessarily the way it was before but kevin you know look let's be clear this is i mean this is a this is a big off season for the blue jays um they have got to make a decision on two big free agents Uh, we're already led to believe from mark shapiro and admittedly this was said before the you know the board dispute that rogers was made public uh that uh, the jays expect an increase in payroll we know they have a lot, as I said, they have a lot of decisions to make with Semyon and Ray. Uh, we're led to believe at some point they want to talk to Jose Barrios about an extension, maybe to Oscar Hernandez, Vladdy and Bo. You might be able to kick that can down the road to spring training. And a lot will depend on what happens with the new CBA. That's going on as well. So there's, there's a ton of stuff going on. There's a ton of stuff going on, uh, on 
uh, around the Blue Jays right now. And, you know, we haven't even gotten to the fact that at some point, at some point, we're going to have to sit down and have a discussion about a new ballpark in the stadium. It's just going to happen. Either completely re- revamp the Rogers Center or have a new ballpark. So, uh, but it's it, all that aside, look, it, if, if I were the New York Mets, I mean, the one thing that the New York Mets are in desperate need of, in addition to sound baseball man right now, is they need somebody who can come in and change the culture of that organization. They need leadership. Bingo. Thank you. They do. That's, yes. Absolutely. 1,000%. Yes. They don't need their owner on Twitter tweeting things about how bad the offense is. They, they need leadership there. Yeah. Like, they need somebody that's going to raise their hand and go, I'll take care of that. You just, you know, if I stay on your side of the, the, the fence and I'll stay on mine yeah. kind of thing. And you can't blame the Mets. All the teams you just mentioned there, they're ran – Really well. It, Mark, Mark runs this team. That was going to really be well. That was going to be my the Mets for doing that. Yeah, that's that's my point here. To me, it's a sign, and you, you need to know this about Mark. I've spoken to Mark. I've not spoken to him about this particular story, but um, I've spoken to Mark, and Brunt's spoken to Mark time yep. and time again. Mark loves Trump. Mark lives here year round. Yep. You know, Mark's kids, I believe, are both off off the states to, to school now. I believe one's going to university. Mark lives year round in Toronto, loves the city. Uh, you all, you, you know, you see him out and about, as I said, he, he agreed to a five-year contract in January. And this is a guy who quite frankly, I mean, you know, there've been other, other organizations, other big jobs that, you know, if not, if they haven't been offered to him, he's at least been associated with some of them at college jobs, some of them commissioners yeah. of, 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 of college leagues, et cetera, et cetera. So he's a guy who's really highly sought after and, I mean, I'm not saying anything here, Mark. I think at some point he's going to be working for the commissioner's office. I, I, I just do. Absolutely. I think that, that would be the, given his pedigree, given his experience, given his yeah. stature in the game, I think that's that's the next move. I got to be honest with you, the first time I heard the the Mets thing didn't surprise me because commissioner's office in New, in New York, York, that's a little closer to that. That's I would assume that's the old, the end, end goal for, for Mark is to be a part of that, but Look, I'm sure the Mets are sitting at home going, "Man, that that organization's ran pretty good. They're they're yeah. they're start they're at the start of something great. Maybe the, he can come over here and do that with us." And 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 the problem with the, from a, the Mets' point of view, this is the thing that just I mean, it doesn't matter to me. And as a reporter, I'm glad. I'm glad all my peeps. I'm glad Joel and Ken. I'm glad they're getting scoops. I'm, but if I am a serious baseball executive, I'm looking at this thing right now and I'm saying, all right, really well-run organizations have either said, we're not going to let you talk to our guy, or as has also been the case, guys from really, really well-run organizations said, I ain't interested in this. There's no manager. Um, the team had obviously issues in the clubhouse last year. There is still questions surrounding Mickey Calloway, surrounding the general manager. There are a lot of what I would call cultural mm-hmm. issues with the Mets that are very much, I mean, they're very a much lot, in the forefront. A lot right of things now. you'd have to clean up before you actually got to the baseball. There part of it. Are, you would exactly. Naming the manager. Might be the easiest job <laughs> yeah. if you take over that job. That might yeah, be the absolutely. easiest thing. Absolutely. Might be the easiest thing to do. Uh, 
But here's the thing. The more, the longer this job stays open, the more reports come out that person X, person Y, person Z was offered the job, turned it down. The more it becomes less attractive to the right person. Yeah. And and I've got to tell you, and I don't know Steve Cohen. I don't know the owner from Adam. But I'll, I'll put it to you this way. How confident would you be that Steve Cohen, that you could trust him to keep his mouth shut when you're negotiating with him or when you're, okay. You know, you, you don't, you don't have that. There's two sides. That element of trust. There's two sides to that. If you're Mark, you absolutely don't have to do that. Absolutely not. Because you've been around long enough that you're established enough that you don't have to be a part of something like that. But if you're a newcomer, well, how that that's the point here is it's either going to be Sandy or it's going to be uh, somebody that's green that's never done it before that that that's just they're just happy to have a job doing it and getting their foot in the door that that for me is and that that se- sort of seems like that's the way this is going because of how many people that are established that have turned this thing down who just don't want any part of it. Oh, and by the way, Sandy Allerson's kid works in the front office. He's got an executive job. There you I, go. It, 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 it boggles the mind because on the surface, it should be a great job. It's freaking New York. You've got one of the greatest pitchers ever. You've got your franchise player locked up. You play in a division that is not real good. I mean, there's no reason. If you're, if you're the New York Mets, there's no reason you shouldn't go into next year thinking, we got a shot at this. We got a shot at winning the division. I mean, you should. Every team in that, every team in that, eighty-eight wins. Every team in that yeah. division should think they have a shot at winning it. The Florida Marlins should think they have a shot at winning it. Mm. Anyhow, so that that is where we are with the Mark, you know, with the Mark Shapiro story, and I, and I understand that, you know, because of uh, because of you know some of the news reporting going on about the the dispute involving the Rogers board and that that, that people are going to be people are going to be wondering about. Um, what happened? You know what happens in the off season. It's a big off season for this team, as I said. And I think Mark said in his year end call, I believe next month is when he sits down with the Rogers board and gets his uh, and sort of gets gets the, the budget figured out. But uh, at least initially, that's you know it's a it's it's a good sign to me that uh, that uh, if the story is accurate, the permission wasn't. Wasn't granted. I can't believe anyhow. As I said, I, I, I'm Mark. I don't need any part of the. I don't need any part of the the New York Mets. And I, I just can't. I, I don't. It, want... It's it, as I say. The more I, the more I think about it, knowing what that franchise could be, and, and you know, everything's kind of the other thing. And someone, someone pointed this out. It might have been Joel Sherman. You're also, <laughs> the Mets are positioned right now to make inroads in that market because a lot of people don't like, it's not that they don't like the Yankees, but a lot of people are down in the Yankees given what happened this year. You know, Aaron Boone coming back was not greeted with standing ovation by Yankees fans. This, man, that Mets, that Mets job, it should be, I mean, it should be the job that people are lining up for. And instead we're hearing 
very public announcements of people turning it down. It's and that has, I'll tell you what that has that has to be an issue in some ways for the commissioner's office as well because that's got to be a big franchise. Like you cannot, yeah. you cannot if you're Major League Baseball, you got enough going on with Oakland, you got stuff going on in Tampa, you got enough going on. You don't need the New York Mets to be a to be a raging tire fire or a dumpster yeah. fire. You just don't. Give the Mets credit. They're shooting for the moon. You might as well ask. All they can do is say, no, I would, uh, first, first thing, I, I absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Maybe Mark would want to come here and be a GM it, for the Mets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Let's ask. Yeah. Anyhow, there you go. That is that. That is as, uh, as far as we know. And, uh, again, nobody's confirmed or denied the story. Uh and that's, that's kind of where we are. We'll be joined in a few minutes by Dan Evans, uh, former GM of the Dodgers, Blue Jays scout, and uh, also head of the Field of Dreams group, which is called This Is Heaven LLC. We'll talk to Dan about that, uh, about that, uh, about that job and where it may go. The Cubs are shopping Wilson Contreras. Do you have any interest? No. With the Blue Jays? Yeah. Absolutely not. All right. You have a prospect who who should be here sometime next year. You have Danny Jansen who's taking strides. Remarkable how we okay. we that. The reason I, I asked it rhetorically, because someone reached out to me and said, you know, we heard you heard you talking about Danny Jansen. You guys are putting a lot of stock in one good month. That's not true. I, I put stock in in doing my homework asking pitchers that throw to him, asking pitching coach who who they would rather throw to, who they trust putting the fingers down. Offensively, he hits 200 and hits 18 homers. I'm fine with that. The lineup they have, he's sitting at the bottom of the order. Just just don't mess it up. Be, be a good defender. Put the right fingers down. B- block the ball with a runner on third base. Hit some homers. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I, I, I'm not asking him to, to hit 300, hit 280, hit 250, hit 240. I don't even care if he hits 230. Hit 200, drive, hit 18 homers and put the right fingers down. That's me doing my homework, asking pitchers who like to, who would you rather throw to when it matters the most? When, when food's taken off your table, who would you rather have behind the plate? Putting the fingers down. And the consensus for me was the same guy over and over and over again. That's why I come on this show and say it. Don't make things up. Yeah, I listen. I, you know, I've certainly seen. I saw enough. I was, I was in a position with Danny Jansen where I. This is going to sound, probably, more simpler, than it should. I needed to see something from Danny Jansen this year, that suggested to me that. I didn't have to go into the off season thinking seriously yeah. about adding a catcher. And I, and I, I saw enough. Now, was it, was it enough that I think Danny Jansen is going to be going to the all-star game for the next five years? Nobody doesn't have to because of the of Gabriel Moreno. But the other thing I really, and I'm giving you credit for this because you were the guy who first mentioned it to me. I looked at Mike Zanino and I just thought in a good lineup, that's all I need from Danny Jansen. Call a great game. Throw the odd guy out. Love your pitchers. Have your pitchers love you and pull the ball every now and then. That's all. I, I don't care if you hit 205. If you can give me 16 home runs, mm-hmm. hit 205, play good defense, 
I'll stick you in the ninth spot. Like, if you can, well, Martin Maldonado's a He's in the buck 60. He's, different, a, he's the starting catcher for the American right. League team in the World Series. But that's what I'm saying. Danny Jansen at least gives you that gives you that power potential. I think Danny Jansen maybe during that injury figured out what he is all about. And I think maybe at some point, I I, I think back to to when Javier Javier Vasquez was breaking and pitching for the Expos. He was awful his mm-hmm. first year. He was horrible. Yeah. And I, I remember Felipe Alou telling us that, telling us one day that Vasquez had come in the office and he was down. He wasn't pitching well. And, and Felipe said, I just looked at him and said, I keep running you out there. It's like my name on the bottom of the lineup card. I keep running you out there, even though you're whatever he was, three and 19 or three and what three and 12 and had an ERA of around six. I keep putting you out there every fifth day. And Felipe said, do you think I'm stupid? (laughs) Like there's a reason I am doing this. And I wonder if maybe at some point that didn't sit in with, with Danny as well. And he had some time to think time to work and things. Look, you know what? I'm really not doing much offensively, but Jesus, they got me in the lineup every day. And they got me working with some pretty good pitchers. Bottom line is, when he went down, Alejandro Kirk di- didn't take the bull by the horns and run with it. He's just a guy for me. I, I know everybody likes to root for him, and so do I. It's a nice story. But he, you, you want Alejandro Kirk as your starting catcher? Absolutely not. Can he be on your team? I don't even know about that. that, that if, if next year he starts in AAA, are you unhappy about that? Oh, how can, how can they win a World Series without Kirk as your backup catcher or one of your catchers? I'm... I'm on the fence of I could take it or leave it. And I just don't think when he, when Danny went down that him behind the plate, calling games, blocking balls with runners on third base. I don't think catchers or, or pitchers. I don't think they were big fans of that. That's at least what I got from it. Talking and listening and talking to people that mattered that were actually throwing the baseball. I think they could, they were, we'd rather have Danny back there. I know he, he's having hitting woes and for whatever reason, mechanically, whatever it is, he was not doing offensively. And me, a lot of it was, a lot of that was they were putting way too much pressure on Danny to get Ryu through games, which is just not fair. That's, Bottom that's line, really end well of said. story. That's really story, well said. It was not fair to Danny. That's to well go, said. Oh, you got to do this, you know, off season. Make sure you're zooming Ryu so you can figure out what counts. And if this guy's not swinging fat. Way too much went into that. He's putting way too much emphasis on that. Then both there's you got to be good at both sides of See, the ball. I, I think the plan for the Jays this year when it comes to catching is very simple. Danny Jansen's your number one guy. You you do need to get a read on Gabriel Marino. He's we talked Absolutely. about this yesterday. He's back. He's playing in the Arizona Fall League. He's healthy. He's raking. So you need you need to get a read on him. Um I don't know. I'd be lying if I said I have a handle on how quickly he could rise through this organization. I, I just I just don't know. I, I tend to think that it might be one of those situations where the bat gets here faster than, or the where the bat gets to the point where it makes his ascension to the major leagues more palatable than it otherwise might be. But my approach with the Jays this offseason is very simple, Kevin. Uh, if I have to trade, or if if somebody wants... If Alejandro Kirk can be part part of a package that gets me an an arm 
or perhaps Jose Ramirez, I'm fine dealing him. If that doesn't happen, I'm fine bringing him back and see what I got. But I also would like, and I know they've got Reese McGuire. I think if you're the Jays, you've you got to at least maybe poke around on the bottom end of the free agent market for a veteran catcher. Just a, a, a guy who can sit on the bench for a couple and, of days and, and not left. hurt your team when he does come yeah, in like the game. A Castro, a Castro guy ask, or something like that. Ask yourself about Moreno. Is he a guy that can come up here mentally? Not physically. We know offensively he's got bat-to-ball skills and enough bat speed and He's got enough that he can create backspin that he can hit some enough home runs to keep him in the big leagues. It's that when he's not playing, he's sitting over there for a couple of days. How's he going to handle that? He'll have to. Games that matter defensively, Danny's probably going to catch those. Or somebody that's a, mm-hmm. more of a veteran presence, bigger target, just been there and done it before. Pitchers have confidence in that guy. Moreno could sit on the bench over there for a couple of days, come off the bench and be okay. Nobody has any idea if he can do that or not especially at this level, that for me is uh, that will determine on when he's here, how long he'll be here and what role he's going to play. He, you can't put him at third base. All of these games that matter. Really? What? That's why I see when, whenever you see him down there playing third base, I, I laugh at that. I, 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 how many, how many catchers do you know that, that, that are everyday catchers that play third base just on a whim? Yeah. I don't know how I, I, I mean, I don't know how part of that part of that could be. I mean, is there another catcher that that is is getting time there as part of the development thing? I don't know. There's so much that, so much that goes in. That's a, it's not a Jays thing. You see it. You see it with a lot of teams. I, Number I, one prospects I and organizations know. doing that. Yeah, you do. really. Yes. Yeah, you see. Are teams, they any good at it? You see teams move guys around at the big league level. You know, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Go and look at at Major League Baseball's prospect list for teams. Leaving aside the pitchers, look at the position players on those prospect lists. Look at the top one or two prospects in each organization and find out how many of them. It's not that they don't have a position, but they could be second baseman slash shortstop. They could be outfielder slash infield. What's Austin Martin? Austin Martin's one of the Twins' top prospects. Now, what is he? Is he an outfielder? Is not he an infielder? Not a catcher, third baseman. No, but but what I'm saying is every, or, every organization values versatility right now. Mm, well, um, I think they're begging. Well, I don't think they're big. I think there's they're not dumb. That there's there's a reason for them having Gabriel Marino at, at third base. It's not just you know what. Let's see if the catcher of the future. Let's see if he can catch the ball at third base. There's probably a reason for it. There's probably a reason for it. Mm. Uh, and again, it could be you know big league team didn't have a third base. No, it, it's it, it could also be. There are other other guys need at bats as well. You want to keep the dudes bat in the lineup, and you want to get another prospect. He's got to get at bats. I mean, there there are a ton of things. There are a ton of things that uh, that go into that particular decision. But all that aside, all that aside, safe to say that we're a lot more comfortable with Danny Jansen now. Uh, Makes we it were. easier for them to go in the off season and make other moves. Exactly, there it is. Exactly. If the, if Danny Jansen hadn't done what he had done when he come back, and if everything else had stayed the same, and Alejandro Kirk had w- the Jays would be going into the off season, you'd have to seriously, seriously, seriously be thinking, okay, maybe we need instead of looking for a short-term answer at backup until Gabriel Moreno's ready, maybe we need to look for a short-term answer as a starter I, before he's ready. I find it hard to believe that really good Blue Jays fans be yelling and screaming if they go out and get them a, a couple of good bullpen arms, a third baseman, and maybe a, a legitimate halfway decent starter, that they're going to be yelling and screaming about Danny Jansen, opening day catcher. No, I, I, I agree. Not. I, I, 
I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, Mike and Barry on the text line. I'll ask the question. And uh, maybe, and Mike, thank you for this, because maybe we ought to uh, we ought to have phrased it this way. He said, do the Blue Jays pitchers love Danny Jansen, or do they just prefer throwing to him over Kirk and McGuire? Both. Same thing. Both. Both. But it's, Mike, that's... That, that's also yeah that's part of it so much to that's think of, of so much to think about now how you're getting these guys out that you don't want to think about sequences of putting pitches down and if i snap off a breaking ball in front of the plate you can't block it so it's both both gotta have confidence in that guy when he puts it down with authority step out there and give it to me i can <laughs> catch it got something to that Dan Evans is chief operating officer of This Is Heaven LLC. Those are the uh, Field of Dreams folks. And he's also a former GM of the Dodgers, scout with the Blue Jays. We're going to talk to Dan about the future of the Field of Dreams game, which was a ratings hit in the U.S. I mean, I loved it. I watched it. I thought it was a great game. The teams, the teams made it a great game, but it was... It was just really well done. And as I said, it was really well received in the States. Maybe this is kind of baseball's version of the outdoor, the NHL, the NHL classic. Just it's something to some something different for fans. Something that's a little different than your Wednesday night game at Comerica Park. It's got a, it's for me, it's all about the teams that are playing in it. You hitting a baseball on a cornfield that's yeah, well, it's it's luster. Be, yeah, it's obviously. all about the two teams playing in yeah, it for me. Uh, but uh, I, I also wonder if, as I said, could this be baseball's version of? Could this be baseball's version of the NHL Outdoor Classic? We'll yeah. talk to Dan Evans about that. Also, get his take on the World Series. Guy was a GM. Guy scouted for the Blue Jays. Dan Evans joins us next. You're listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. an off day for the World Series teams. <clears throat> they will be traveling, probably already there, to Atlanta from Houston. Will workout action happening at Truist Park, maybe? Game three goes tomorrow. Game three, game four, game five this weekend. And then that's it for pitchers hitting. Although, as a couple of people pointed out, our listeners are so damn smart. A couple of listeners pointed out Jeff. There will be pitchers hitting next year. There will be one. Shohei Otani. There you go. There you go. But maybe it, it, it's not. Well, yeah, it will still be the 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 pitching position. Will still we we won't see it happening again after. Let's not overthink it. Jim. Yeah, yeah, you're you're pretty you're pretty you're pretty matter of fact on that. Let's let's hope. That two minutes of our life, every time that guy walks to the plate and takes a weird <laughs> swing and takes two pitches down the middle. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyhow. You think a pitcher's been shifted on except Otani this year? Oh, hell, I don't. Probably. Gabe Kapler probably Absolutely. did it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Shifted with two strikes and everything. I said, <laughs> Gabe Kapler's first spring training, sitting up beside the press box and Clearwater, watching the Jays and Phillies play. It's the eighth inning. Here comes some guy with uniform number 89 batting for the Jays. 
there goes Gabe Kapler with a whole bunch of infielders wearing numbers high 70s and high 80s, shifting his infielders around between pitches. Never too early to learn. Yeah, never shift against that. Uh, well, be nice. 107 anyhow. wins. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, Dan Evans is former general manager of the L.A. Dodgers. He was a Toronto Blue Jays scout as well, longtime baseball executive. He's now COO of This Is Heaven LLC, the folks who uh, will be operating the Field of Dreams. And we talked about how successful the Field of Dreams games uh, game was this year. Dan, uh, thank you so much for joining uh, Kevin Barker and myself. Before we talk about the World Series, I did want to ask you about uh, the the field of dreams and the concept because yeah, you know, as someone who watched that game, obviously it was a big it was a big success. We talked about how good it looked on TV. The, the the fact that it was a good game made it even better. But you know, I remember when the NHL first came up with the concept of outdoor games, and a lot of us kind of rolled our eyes and said, "Well, this is great. That'll last for one game, and then people are going to realize that the idea of holding a football game at Michigan Stadium and outdoors is just stupid and we'll never do it again. And, of course, now there's five or six of them every year. I, I wanted to ask you, did, did baseball stumble on something here? And what I mean by that is, do you foresee this as being a unique occurrence? Or, I don't know, Dan, might we see, I, I don't know, might we see the the Giants and Dodgers playing a game at, at, at some, you know, some, some park in San Francisco there? that was a Pacific coast stadium at one time or something like that. Cause it does seem to me that it, it really got a lot of people's attention. Well, Jeff, first of all, thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, the field of dreams is such a unique venue and it means something for so many different people. I think one of the things that we envisioned two and a half years ago, when we first approached major league baseball was the uniqueness of the venue mm. The fact that we could keep it a very innocent setting without a lot of signage with the corn surrounding the field and Major League Baseball and their collaborative partners, Jeff, did a fabulous job putting a a stadium on that ground that didn't take away whatsoever from the iconic look that everybody wants to have. We look at this as a long-term possibility We've already announced that we have a game next year between the Reds and the Cubs. Um, we're looking at a potential long-term relationship with Major League Baseball. And I think what Frank Thomas and I envision is keeping the game as clean and crisp as we can, relying on the roots that baseball has um, that makes that game pristine and makes it innocent and not over-commercializing it, keeping the focus on the game itself, yet doing some things to make it a real special environment on an annual basis. The community, the state, the city, the county have been wonderful partners. And, Jeff, I look forward to uh, multiple games over the next few years. Dan, was there any good uh, feedback from the players that played in that game? Kevin, unbelievable. Amazing. The best part for me was members of the Yankees bullpen being lost before the game because they were in the corn maze. We got incredibly positive support. Um, The other thing we realized is that the general public watched this game more than any other regular season game 
in the last 16 years. So the people who didn't watch it in August of this year, my guess is because everybody's talked to them about it, they're going to be watching again. And everything I've been doing since we bought the uh, the the ownership shares about three weeks ago, everything I've received is nothing but positive feedback for future. Yeah. As we, as we said, it was, it was such a, it was such a unique concept and it really did. I I admit I was, I was was a little skeptical about, uh, about how, not how the players would, would react to it because I think we've seen Dan and I'm sure you'd agree you know, time and again, baseball, the players do step up and, and deliver for baseball. But what amazed me is I, I just looked at the logistical issues and I thought this is just going to be, it's like anything else. The more links you have in a chain, the more chance that perhaps one of those links will fail and the whole thing will come apart. But boy, it, it seemed as if uh, it seemed as if it pretty much went off like clockwork. Well, it's pretty amazing the collaborative effort that went on between about eight or nine different entities. And Jeff and Kevin, you've been to a ton of games. And, you know, I've been to some of the winter NHL classics. I love hockey. Um, To me, it was not getting over your skis Mm. and make the focus the game and the field. We did that start to finish. Even the positioning of the field was all about retaining the look and the vibe. We didn't, we didn't make it an over-commercialization, and I think that's what people appreciate it. But for me, the coolest part about it was the genuine excitement that people had from both teams, from Major League Baseball and guys. I mean, you both know that I've been around the game for 40 years. I've got lots of friends. People calling me the next day saying, hey, we'd like to be in future games. We would love to be a part of this in the future. That, to me, at its core, very organically, people love the event, and they'd really like to be a part of it moving forward. Now, Dan, in your time as uh, president and GM of the Dodgers, um, you did a lot of really good drafting, a lot of shrewd trading. Um, You know, the Dodgers 2004 West Division Championship team, with a lot of your DNA on it. In Chicago, that's that 2000 central division team. I mean, you, Frank Thomas, Robin Ventura. I mean, there were, that was just such a, that was just such a, such a good team. What do you think when you look at these two teams in the world series right now? And, and the fact that, you know, I'm looking particularly at the Atlanta Braves and yeah, they made some major acquisitions at the trade deadline that obviously had a significant impact, but the Braves are built on, good international drafting, good drafting in general. I'm thinking of guys like Freeman and Riley and Albies and Acuna, who's, who's now hurt and their pitchers and same thing with Houston. You look at Houston and they're, you know, they've been together for a while, but kind of their guys, right? The core for the most part are, are Astros guys. What do you as a baseball executive think when you see these two teams? Well, first of all, I love Alex Anthopoulos and I think he's one of the shrewdest people I've ever worked with or for in the game. Blue Jay fans know how good he was. He was fabulous. And our clubs in 15 and 16 were entertaining and energetic. What he did at the deadline was remarkable. Just where they were in early July to where they are today in Game 3 of the World Series, that's an amazing thing. But I think both clubs, and I think you nailed it, Jeff, both clubs don't acquire their players through a single portal 
They rely heavily on their drafts, on their international scouting. They're aggressive when it comes to small deals. And incremental deals for me are what makes good clubs great clubs because they're always tweaking. They're taking that 25th and 26th player and improving on them just a little bit. Most general managers aren't very good at that. They focus more on the the home run deals and the big name guys. But what did we see last night? We saw, you know, a situation where Siri had a really big hit in the second inning, a guy who was relatively unknown. I mean, Arcady is not a very well-known player in the game, a great international sign. So I think we're seeing from these two clubs are a couple of baseball lifers in the dugout. There's a great story there. But I also think the the way these teams have been composed and during a really crazy period, this is not an easy postseason to play as many games as they've played with the injuries that both clubs have had, especially the Braves. I think it's a remarkable story, and I'm really looking forward to tomorrow night because for me, game three in a 1-1 series is better than any game there is because usually I think almost 70% of the time the winning club in game three in a tied series wins the world series. Do you think the, if the Astros win the world series, that will change uh, fans perspective or thoughts about individual players like the Altuve's, like the Bregman's, like the Correa's, not the organization as a whole, but at the individual player. It won't for me, Kevin, and it, it, I don't think it will for most fans. What they did was deplorable, and they were punished, but I don't know if they were punished as significantly as a lot of us wish they were. But no, I think they're tainted. They're tainted just like the steroid guys who will never get into the Hall of Fame, and I think the, the jury of the public opinion is such that it's already out, and I don't think it's going to change. Do you like the way the game is now? You know, because there's a when you talk to baseball people, longtime baseball men, you know, the people. Well, we all I mean, we know the arguments, right? The, the the stuff that's being done with starting pitchers in the in the uh, in the in the postseason, the shifting pace of play is is being talked about, pitch clocks, all all of this stuff. And yet, Dan, I look around, and almost every team has got a young guy, somebody who's 22, 23 years old, and I look at them and I go. I mean, that's one of the best young players I've seen. It's like every team's got one of them for the most part. Where is this game right now? Yeah, boy, great point. There's some unbelievably young young talent in the game right now. Just um, what I love is their enthusiasm, um, their their lack of fear of showing emotion, which I think is wonderful. I think it's a great thing that people like. I like where the game is, and, you know, I've evolved just as the game has evolved, and some of the things that people don't like, well, some people just don't like the sun rising in the morning, you know, there's that, <laughs> there's that group, but I think what we see today is an effervescence, youthful game, and sure, the starting pitching situation and openers are, are different than ever before, but the game has evolved for the last 150 years. And I think if you don't like change, you're not going to like change regardless of what form it's in. What I like is I like the fact that what you said is that the game is evolving into more of a draft and sign situation. So the international impact, which is, you know, 25, 28% of our game right now, I think it's great that the game is thriving internationally. 
But I think more importantly, I think it's great that, you know, here's, here's something that I look at. The networks spend a bundle of money to broadcast games. And what they're spending in escalating numbers is an indicator that the game is thriving and that people still want to watch because if they didn't, they wouldn't be spending that kind of money from the network level. So, yeah, I like the game. Some things I don't like, but, but Jeff, you've been in the game forever like me. What I like is there's 30 different ways of doing business. Yeah. And I think the elite thinkers and the elite teams are always going to be elite regardless of the landscape because they can out-strategize and outthink people in the game. Dan, when you were uh, when you were with the the Dodgers, you I, I I know that you were involved in in opening the Taiwanese player market. I don't know I I don't know how many Taiwanese players sort of have direct ties to you, but I know that I, I think you may have had the first Taiwanese player in the majors. If I'm if I yeah I if, did if three I'm of wrong. the first four guys right three of the first four. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, clearly the the scouting of international players is something that that really intrigues you. Is that is that going to change now? Do you think because of you know we're coming out of the the, the pandemic now, and for the longest time, you know, players. I mean, there there weren't necessarily guys going over from North America to. I shouldn't say the longest time for eighteen months. Haven't necessarily had the same travel to Central America and to Latin America and to South America. Is that? Is the international market going to change over these next few years, do you think? Well, first of all, I love the international market because I think any entry portal of talent is something you have to explore. I mean, look at look at how basketball and hockey has exploded in the last 25, 30 years with, you know, the advent of international signs. And I think baseball is a great experience for a lot of countries. The game is absolutely exponentially exploding. The WBC has a lot to do with that. But we're going into countries that we didn't go into 20 and 30 years ago. And I think you bring up a great point, Jeff, that the pandemic has probably kept people home. I know it kept me home. I haven't been over there in two years. But I think what we see now is the way they're handling the pandemic in some of these countries. And as a result, it's safer and safer to travel. As the restrictions loosen, I think the elite aggressive teams will get back into the market I mean, I know of at least one team to get this, Jeff. You and Kevin will be, will be stunned about this. I know of at least one team that never even saw Otani play in Japan. And how can you say to your fan base that you're wow. trying to do everything you can when you didn't even go see him? And I remember the last month of, the, of Otani's chase over in uh, Japan. I'm with the Blue Jays. We had three or four people at just about every game the last month. And there were 10 teams that never saw him play. So to me, Otani's, I I would just say, stunning season. And I'm not surprised by it. I always thought he was going to be one of the greatest players in the game's history. But I think Otani's escalation, along with Tatis and Acuna, I think these guys are helping people throughout the world realize that there's opportunity and subsequently, because they're going to go where the good players are, teams are going to scout more and more as the pandemic relinquishes its stranglehold on what, what has gone on the last 18, 19 months. Uh, Dan, we really appreciate your time. Terrific insight as always. Uh, great Twitter follow as well, yeah. I have to say. And, mm-hmm. and uh, thanks so much for joining us. Be well. Great thanks. stuff. 
Thanks so much, Ian. Thanks to all the good people in Toronto, one of my favorite cities. Take care, Dan. Thank you. Dan Evans, uh, who was very much part of the when the Blue Jays were were scouting um, Shohei Otani, as indeed a lot of teams were, was was very much part of it. If you look at Dan, Dan's resume, he's a very very forward thinking guy. And as I said, I, I think that I think the I think there's a lot of potential here to the field of field of dreams. You know, you like, I'll tell you, I mean, I mean, this had a uh, folks at the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. St. Mary's. What about uh, Detroit Tigers and Toronto Blue Jays playing a game at St. Mary's? Now, yeah, obviously there'd be some logistical stuff. You'd yeah, have yeah. to fix up the. But what about it? How about a series? Think that they're they're capable of having a series there? Yeah. The the, the only thing I would say about this, is, and I think Dan hit on this, is why did the field of dreams work? Well, it worked because we most of us saw the freaking movie. Yeah, and it's and, the Yankees. Well, yeah, that, but, but that aside, if, if, if we knew, if I say field of dreams to you, you got close your eyes, you got the cornfield, you got the farmhouse, you got, so it works because you are essentially going down in a movie set and playing a baseball game. I don't know, like the concept might work elsewhere, but would it have the same emotional tug that, that playing in the Iowa cornfield would have that's that's what i don't know i that that's would it be too would you almost be trying to be too cute by taking that concept and putting it someplace else but it's something that i i I think that game into it you know they played baseball i'm sorry i didn't even they played baseball london uh in in london at lords the cricket ground i I think that game uh drew in or draws in Fan, fans that aren't baseball fans sure did because because oh I I saw the movie Kevin Costner's in that sure did why wow, now, now I got to watch it and mm-hmm. maybe maybe baseball got more fans just because of that one game you know hit and as ball, I said the, ra- gr- the ratings were really good and you're and right it helped it was a great game yeah you it was had- a great game it had a walk off like it was it was two teams I I think for me that's the most important part of it I I said this before when we went on the right. air to have that conversation a a Dodgers Giants game and that would be like it's a lot about who the if you can relate to the two teams they have superstars yeah it's the, a lot, a lot on, goes into the Yankees it. and and the the Yankees in the cornfield the White Sox and the yeah it it was perfect almost it it really it was. was perfect because it's an it's an iconic setting and you had with with all due respect to every other team in baseball I think it's safe to say that the Yankees still remain the iconic franchise the uniform the logo the whole Yankeesness of that team remains baseball's iconic franchise. It really worked for that reason, but I would love, I mean, I would really love for it to become, to become a regular occurrence. And I think it's something, I think it's something baseball, baseball needs to look at. You know, I love the fact that baseball played regular season games in Japan. I love that it went to London and yeah, there are quirks and Mm. people are going to complain about it, but it's just, you got to do you have to do something new and you have to not be afraid of being aggressive when it comes right. to things because we're all as consumers looking for something new. And that's why I say the, the NHL outdoor game, it's not my kettle. It, 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 it's not my cup of tea. I'm not going to go and freeze my ass off to watch Detroit and Toronto play in a freaking outdoor game with wind blowing in my face and snow and watered down beer. I'm not going to do it. 
But apparently about 120,000 people did and didn't mind it. Um, so I think, there's, I, th I think there's a market for that, for the unusual. And I guess that's the balancing act is how do you prevent the unusual from becoming the norm? The teams that play in it. You got it. And you got it again. You got to get buy-in from the players. And, and I keep telling people this I've covered baseball for a long time. It is remarkable when all is said and done, how many times it's the players that step up and pull it off. I talked about coming out of steroids, steroids, player issue. I get all that, but you know what? Cal Ripken playing every day kind of reinforced in people's minds that baseball's an everyday game. You always have players who end up standing up and making a difference. And they did. The players bought into it, man. They had fun. They absolutely had fun. That's it for Blair and Barker today. No World Series game tonight, but don't worry. We'll find something to talk about tomorrow. I guarantee it. You've been listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.